0: All right, welcome back to another episode of USC Basketball, the USC Basketball Podcast on the Believe Sports Podcast Network. I'm Chris Penrose. Thank you so much for joining me. A lot to chat about uh, since the last show. A uh, couple games that SC's played, first off against Cal State Bakersfield, uh, which ended up being a win by a score of 90-75, to 75. And then USC played the 49ers of Long Beach State, in which they beat somewhat handily, 75 to 65. And then we're going to talk about the big game, which unfortunately turned out to be a loss uh, to number six ranked Nevada. Trojans lost uh, 73 to 61. So let's talk about Cal State Bakersfield. You know, don't don't chuckle when you hear that name. Um, I know. Uh, it probably doesn't seem like a uh, you know a powerhouse basketball team from Bakersfield, but these guys are good. Um, they are very well coached. Uh, they get up and down. They can shoot the ball. Uh, they opened the season November 7th at TCU, who was ranked number 20th in the country at the time, took them down to the wire, ended up losing 66-61. They played a really scrappy Central Michigan team, lost by 12. Uh, beat San Jose State, beat Weber State, um, and then they played USC uh, at USC. Now, one of the things that was kind of interesting uh, about this game is SC was not at full strength whatsoever. They were missing Derek Thornton, who rolled his ankle in practice and was having some lower back problems. And they were missing Kevin Porter Jr., who had a, uh, a quad contusion, which apparently is very, very painful, and he could barely walk uh, most of the week. Uh, and Cal State Bakersfield, I have to say, they took to the Trojans in the first half. They were up by two at halftime. Uh, and then at the end, or I should say in the second half, Benny Boatwright really came alive, hit a few big threes. And the Trojans in the last 10 minutes took basically a six-point deficit and turned it out to be a 15-point win. So uh, that was a good win for the Trojans. It's not gonna not going to look like much when the selection committee takes a look at it uh at the end of the year but i think that's a good win especially uh with a short-handed bench and then came long beach state so long beach state has had a pretty up and down season uh in the beginning of the year uh like i said we're only like five or six games into it but they went to ucla uh didn't play very well but lost by 11 uh they went to arizona state and got smacked by like 32 points um, Played at Mississippi State and got beat pretty handily by 20 points. And uh, they actually took it to Oregon State. They played Oregon State at home. I actually think Oregon State can make some noise in the Pac-12 this year. I think they're going to be pretty decent. Uh, And they only lost by three and were in the game the entire game. So that was actually a, a pretty good showing by Long Beach State. Now, the Trojans got a little lucky. They played Long Beach State without their best player, Deshaun Booker. Who had 31 and 4 against UCLA at Poly Pavilion, Um, but you know Long Beach State. This these type of games, as I said in one of the earlier episodes, these kind of games always make me a little nervous. Whenever we used to play a Long Beach State or an LMU or Cal State Fullerton or Cal State Northridge, those teams are built with kids from LA that got overlooked by USC's and UCLA's and Arizonas. And so when they play a team like USC, they play as if they have something to prove. And some of these guys just completely ball out because it's basically their showcase to show coaches what they missed out on. Now the Trojans got Derek Thornton back, which was great, uh, but they still didn't have Kevin Porter Jr. So they're still they're still about a man or two short. I'd really like for Chuck O'Bannon to come back before Pac-12 starts. I think he's going to be a much-needed relief off the bench. Um, Essie played okay. I thought they did a really uh, good job in the second half of getting Nick Rokosovich the ball more and more and more. Nick ended up with another double-double with 19 points and 12 rebounds. I thought Derek Thornton played within himself and, and shared the ball well. He had six assists and only two turnovers. I really liked Elijah Weaver's minutes off the bench he had 17 minutes, uh, 2 of 3 from the field, 2 of 2 from the three point line, got some rebounds, uh, had three assists, big steal. Jordan Usher uh, didn't play as well as he did against uh, Bakersfield. He only got uh, uh, three points, 1 of 4 from the field. What concerned me in this game was uh, Benny Boatwright, 1 of 5 from the three point line. And Jonah Matthews, one of three from the three-point line. Um, Those guys really need to get their offensive games going if they're going to be able to hang uh, with some of the big boys, which they're going to be playing uh, coming up and also in the Pac-12 season. But SC played well enough to win. I think I would have preferred to see a little cleaner game. Uh, Looking forward to Nevada, um, I definitely saw some weaknesses that need to be addressed, especially going into uh, a big game against the number six team in the country or basically their, their entire starting lineup, six, seven and above, and they can play positionless basketball. Um, I was really interested going into the Nevada game to see number one, how Benny Boatwright was going to play against Jordan Caroline. Um, I think Jordan Caroline for Nevada, I've seen him play for the past three years. Uh, Cause I watch a lot of San Diego state basketball. He, in my opinion is one of the more dominant players in college basketball on the block not only is he pretty solid in his low post moves but i haven't seen anyone in college basketball that's better than him at getting his own rebound off a miss he follows his shot better than anyone i've seen the past three years in college basketball i was also really interested to see how Rokosevich was going to do against the highly touted freshman trey porter who is a legit 7-1, maybe 7-2. Came in as a five-star guy. uh, Starts for Nevada. Really good low post game. I was really interested to see how Nick was going to be able to uh, be offensively against that, that sort of length. That was going to be the first time he's going to see that length this year. And then the Martin twins, Caleb and Cody Martin, those guys played really well together, and I was interested to see how our guards were going to be able to handle them on the defensive end. So I have to say, the Galen Center was rocking. Uh, it was a little over 6,000 people there. Student section was in full force. There was definitely a buzz and an energy in the arena when the game tipped off. And I thought Enfield did a phenomenal job at getting his guys ready to go. Uh, Kevin Porter did suit up. Uh, he did not play in the first half. Uh, I didn't think SC really needed him in the first half. The energy from the start was fantastic, especially on the defensive end. You'll hear me say this a million times on this show. I'm not a fan of the zone defense whatsoever. But in the first half, it was working. And I think that was because the defenders were moving. They were they had their hands in passing lanes. They were getting to the ball. They weren't giving up open threes. The one thing that was frustrating watching, though, is. When the ball went into the middle of the zone, Jordan Caroline was the guy getting the ball in the middle. And all the coaches were saying, make him a shooter. And Caroline kept on getting to the hole. And that's something that you just can't you can't do if you're gonna play zone defense. Number one, you're trying to you're trying to not let the ball get into the middle of the zone. But if it does, the last thing you can do is let that guy get to the rim. Because then the whole defense sucks in. And not only will that create wide-open threes, uh, but the whole defense gets smaller. The whole thing is when you're in a zone, you're supposed to push the offense out. You're supposed to make yourselves look longer than you are. And you're not supposed to let anything happen inside. And the death of the zone is when the ball gets on the interior. But I thought SC played really, really well. Uh, They got up and down the floor. They rebounded the ball defensively. And then they were up about 7 or 8 points with about 4 minutes to go. And for some reason, and, and I think it's it's a bit of an immaturity thing for this team, but they they aren't closing halves out. And that definitely happened here. And uh, SC could not figure out how to get the ball on the rim. Then they gave up some fast break points. And at halftime, they were up by 1. Uh, but they should have. It, it felt like if you were watching the game, and you turned your back at halftime and you were walking up the stairs, you would say, oh man, we're up by eight or nine points. It did not feel like you were only up one. It felt like you were up eight or nine. And then you look at the scoreboard and you go, ugh, that's, that's not a good feeling. It definitely felt like we should have been up a lot more than just a point. But here's some stats I liked from the first half. So first off, Nevada had seven turnovers. And that was definitely attributable to to SC's defense and getting out in the passing lanes on the zone. Nevada only shot two free throws, in which they went 0 for 2, which meant SC was defending, they were rebounding the ball defensively, and they were they were not fouling, which is very important. They held Nevada to 4 of 12 from the three-point line, 33% in the first half, uh, and, and held Nevada to under 50% shooting as well. So I, I was very pleased with those sort of defensive numbers in the first half. What I didn't like from the defensive side in the first half was Jordan Caroline getting three offensive rebounds, uh, six rebounds total, and having 11 points. He should have only had about five, maybe six points, but he got a couple of his own misses and went right back up for, for a couple buckets. And that's something that I knew he was going to be challenged with because he's, he's an absolute force down low. Uh, But I wish they would have kept him off the glass a little bit more in that first half. Now, things that I liked from SC offensively is the fact that they had 8 assists and 13 defensive rebounds. And when you look at their offensive stats, they really weren't that impressive. 3 of 11 from the 3-point line. They only went to the free throw line once, and they missed it. And they shot about 50% from the field. And they were in control that entire half. So if you're looking at the box score for the first half of that game, you're thinking SC's up 35-34. They really didn't shoot the ball or play that well offensively. They have their defense dialed in, come out the first five minutes of the second half, and you could really kind of put Nevada on their heels and make the pressure go completely on their shoulders as they're the number six team in the country and they're supposed to win this game. But unfortunately, that did not happen. Nevada came out, just blitzed SC... Uh, in the first five minutes of the second half, they came out, went on a 7 nothing run, went up by six right away. And you could just tell a couple things happened. Number one, SC came out flat defensively. They just did. You could see it from the get-go. Uh, I think Eric Musselman, the coach for Nevada, figured out the zone a little bit. He made some adjustments um, and give their players credit. They made shots. They made moves. They passed the ball well and they came out with a lot more intensity and a lot more fire than we did to start the second half. And every basketball coach I've ever had since I was six years old, have always said the two most important spurts in the game are the first five minutes of the first half and the first five minutes of the second half. It, within that time period, that's when you're setting the tone for the rest of the half and Nevada, Nevada definitely won the beginning of the second half. Um, couple things i i i thought when enfield went to man uh in the second half i thought he did it a little too late i think nevada figured out the zone pretty quickly and a one point deficit for nevada went to a six point lead which went to a 13 point lead very very quickly and then once sc switched to man to man they put a little press on which i thought was was good and and got them a little bit more energy, but I think it was a little, just a little too late. Um, and another thing I didn't like, I, I did not like the body language from our older guys. Uh, I, Excluding Jonah Matthews and Derek Thornton. I actually thought both those guys had fire in their eyes uh, throughout the very end of the game. Benny's body language, I wasn't a big fan of. Uh, Shaq's body language, I wasn't a big fan of. They just kind of they looked defeated way too early in the second half. Um, offensively, it was pretty ugly. Two of ten from the three point line, ten of twenty eight from the field. You know we only got up twenty eight shots, uh, four turnovers, only three assists. I thought that was a big issue in the second half. Was as soon as SC got down, they went a little. To one on one ish on offense, they weren't sharing the ball as much as they were in the first half. And Coach Enfield will tell you that the best halves of basketball that they've played have been when that ball is not touching the ground and it's just passing, swinging from side to side, going inside, having the defense collapse, kicking it out. Um, but you can't have you can't have Benny Boatwright and Jonah Matthews go two of fourteen from the three point line. That's just you're you're not going to win games if your two captains are going to shoot like that. Um, I mean, at the end of the day, SC only lost by 12. And that half of basketball was just as bad, if not worse, than the second half against Texas Tech. And that's pretty hard to beat. It was nice to see Kevin Porter Jr. Uh, get about four minutes in the second half. It was everyone... The whole crowd got excited. Everyone was kind of waiting to see how healthy he was, what he was going to be able to do. And unfortunately, you could just kind of tell that he he just wasn't 100%. And Coach Enfield said it after the game. He doesn't like to play his players unless he knows they're 100% healthy. Uh, Kevin really wanted to play, he said. Um, he wanted to suit up, he wanted to be there for his brothers. So I don't blame Coach Enfield for putting him in. I would have too. Uh, you have a short bench uh you're trying to get some guys some rest you're thinking maybe kpj can come in there and bring some energy bring some fire maybe hit a big shot but you could just tell he just wasn't wasn't 100 wasn't moving around defensively wasn't aggressive on offense and and he just he he shouldn't have been out there um you know SC is now 0 for three against good teams uh, that are supposed to be resume builders. They lost close game to Vanderbilt. Uh, they lost to a Texas Tech team that's now ranked, uh, I think, 21 or 22 in the country, and they lost to a Nevada team uh, who's ranked number six in the country. and And all those games, they were in it, uh, especially in the first half, but. There are only a few more chances now. SC is going up against a really good TCU team uh, this Friday night at Staples Center. That's going to be a big resume builder. And then they go to Tulsa, Oklahoma to play a really good Oklahoma team. I mean, these next two games, I cannot stress the importance of these next two games for this team. If they go 0 5 against these Power 5 conference schools, or I guess Nevada's not Power 5, they're Mountain West, but they're top 10 team. If they go 0-5 against these schools, they're going to have to win the Pac-12 tournament to get in, Um, unless they go undefeated in the Pac-12, which, I don't know, Oregon's losing games left and right, Arizona doesn't look that great, UCLA got their butts kicked by Michigan State, North Carolina. Uh, You just don't know how good the conference is, and the Pac-12 hasn't been great in the non-conference schedule so far. So, SC's got to win a couple of these games in order to make their resume look good for the selection committee come March. If they don't, um, it's going to be really tough sledding getting into the tournament. But we'll see. So, big game against TCU at the Staples Center. Uh, I think Arizona State plays Nevada in this tournament too which would be an awesome game to watch as well. It'd be good to see how Arizona State can play against that, uh, that physicality and that length and height of Nevada. This will definitely be Arizona State's first big test against a good team. Uh, so I'm excited to actually watch both those games at Staples Center this Friday. Uh, that's it for me. Uh, hopefully we have some victories to talk about uh, on the next podcast. Uh, thank you very much for joining me. Uh, Please subscribe to the show. Uh, We are available on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, TuneIn, Spotify, and iHeart. You can also find us at Believe.com or tweet at us at Believe underscore LA. Uh, For the Believe Network, I'm Chris Penrose, and thanks for joining me.